welcome to this week's episode of Onside Kicks. We made it, men. We've did it. The week we've all been waiting for. This is it. Who'd who to thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? Not me. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's um a very exciting uh time to be an NFL fan, uh Super Bowl week. It's uh I suppose for a lot of Americans, it's it's an institution. I think even if you're not big big into the NFL in in America, Super Bowl week or Super Bowl weekend anyway, it's definitely a big um event for all for all invo- involved. Um, you could almost compare it to All Ireland final weekend, I suppose, for 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 anyone that can associate there. Yeah, that's pretty well, pretty much what I would think. Everyone kind of ch- seems to tune in for it. Yeah, it's a it's a big one. It's a big one. Um, how are we feeling about things, lads? Before I suppose before we get into the, this week's news. Uh, Exciting time, I suppose it's great. I'm looking forward to it. We're actually going, we're actually meeting up to watch it, which I, I don't think I would have thought was humanly possible a month ago, but that, that'll be an enjoyable one. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, That's I get a bit time of, of the year, <laughs> getting a bit excited about it now, even though none of our teams are there. I still love watching it. Like, even when mm. before I watched the NFL religiously, like I do now on a Sunday evening, I always got up as, as a young fella always got up in the middle of the night to watch the Super Bowl. Like going back to Ben's two Super Bowls and even beyond that, it's mm. it's been a fantastic spectacle and I've always enjoyed it. Like a child now, this is my my second Christmas. Yeah. My, my actual first memory of the Super Bowl wasn't actually watching it. It was waking up. On the morning after, a Monday morning of into in two thousand and eight, when the Steelers, when when Tony Totap got the got the <laughs> touchdown in the end zone, I just remember waking up and I used to religiously watch Sky Sports News every morning, and that was my first memory of the NFL popping up and showing the last yeah. play and everything. So that's where my love affair with the Pittsburgh Steelers started. Where the NFL is quite incredible is that the Super Bowls are have especially the last couple of years have all been phenomenal games like you i think a lot of us would be pretty familiar watching football and it can be quite anticlimactic when it gets to to, to matches teams are pretty oh. tentative you get nil all draws one all draws penalty well, Ken, shootouts Ken, like that point, point in case with the yesterday's african cup of nations um at an absolute snooze fest nil nil went to penalties there was yeah no, and you zero. just get that yeah. I, I like nfl can't be like that like you can mm. get a blowout i think a couple of years ago you had a the New England Rams game was just shockingly disappointed or disappointing. And on another day, that could have been an absolute classic. I think otherwise we've just been treated to classic after classic, after classic, after classic. And it's just fantastic that you tune in for the, the, the biggest game of the year. And there's a fair chance you're going to get one of the best games of the year. And I think you have two proper teams now who are going to sling it. Uh, there'd be no, no room for caution there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Suppose look, we'll, we'll uh, before we get get stuck into the Super Bowl, we'll have a look. We'll, we, it would be remiss of us to not discuss uh, the week that has went by in the NFL. There's been a huge amount of news, uh, non Super Bowl related news, I suppose. And um, I suppose one of the most controversial ones has been um, they carry on with well, not carry on, but I suppose uh, Brian Brian Flores is uh, is is taking a case against the the NFL. Um, I suppose for him being uh, mistreated, uh, how would you how would you put it? I suppose he's been um, there's been p- perhaps a, a, a does do you think he has a case? I suppose he's for anyone that hasn't followed it, he's uh, putting a case against uh, the NFL, uh, specifically his former team, the Miami Dolphins, alongside another few teams. I think uh, the Denver Broncos and New York Giants. That uh, he's just been poorly treated as a as as I suppose a colored or a black coach. Um, I I think it's um. I think he's a very, very bright, bright fella. I think he's a smart, a smart guy, a smart coach. I think he is absolutely putting his career mm. on the chopping block for this, but he obviously feels very strongly about it. Um, I think the what has transpired over the last couple of weeks has really pushed him over the edge. I, I would imagine he has been annoyed about this for a while. Um, I've heard rumblings of of his him, him disagreeing with the the Dolphins ownership as well over a lot of their decisions and what they wanted to do. And he's kind of released more information on that now as well. So, um, well, interesting, Peter, it's, it's, it's quite a scattershot amount of allegations he's bringing. There's no, uh, like just for anyone who's, who's not up to date, 
Mm. He's the two major allegations are that he's effectively been brought on in a tokenistic manner to be interviewed for a job, and also in another uh, serious allegation that he was paid to lose matches as head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And for those not familiar, the Rooney Rule was brought in a few years ago to increase representation of black head coaches in the NFL. I think up to a few days ago, uh, I'm not sure with the, the, the round of hiring which just happened was, there was one uh, black or, or coloured head coach in the NFL, um, even though the player representation is 75% black. Yeah. And we'll say the Rooney Rule was brought in to make sure that at least one person of colour uh, or a minority head coach, ethnic minority, is the ethnic minority yeah, was yeah. was uh, interviewed, interviewed yeah. and given a fair chance of getting the job. And what happened was he got a text off Bill Belichick to say that, "Well done, glad to hear you're getting the job." <laughs> and then it transpired that he meant to text uh, a different coach who had gotten the Brian, job. Brian Brian Dubois. Brian Dubois. Right? Yeah, yeah, same yeah. first name. And, and so Brian, both two Brians. He yeah. also, I would imagine if he, if he gen- genuinely yeah. texting him, he has two Brians in his phone, maybe. Um, <laughs> but as it turns out, Flores hadn't even interviewed at that stage. And yeah. at this stage, he smelt a rat, and he's like, "Look, these guys are just putting me down for the color of my skin." Um, like okay. everything I've heard from him, he sounds like this man of just utmost integrity. Mm. Yeah, there, there's 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 no shit with Flores, and even listened to him in interviewed over the last couple of days, he's a very strong case, and I think the NFL made absolute muppets of themselves nearly ten minutes after the lawsuit dropped, saying that yeah, it was without right. merit. It's like, well done, lads. You haven't even looked at it. Yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous, but it almost has like it has three separate, I suppose, three separate things going on. You have the the allegations against Stephen Ross, which is obviously, you know, is is a separate thing. The allegations against him about offering to pay money and the alleged um, fabrication of a meeting with a with a with a quarterback against a prominent Lee quarterback. A prominent quarterback. We won't name yeah. any names, what we think, but that was obviously against Lee Groots. Like their allegations, like obviously not racial allegations, but allegations that have serious implications against Ross as an owner if they are true and you can't think why would Brian Flores come out and say that stuff it doesn't hold any merit why he'd say it you know just meaninglessly I think that has there's definitely something going on there and and look like Ken just pointed out there like there isn't fair representation in coaching in, in the NFL and I think like you said Peter he, he seems to be a fellow with of very high you know Honor, so like I can't see why he come out, put his career on the line if this stuff is baseless. But it's not just on the line; his his career is gone. Yeah, but like the one, the one, the one you have that one. You have the you have the giant situation. You have the Stephen Ross situation. The one I think he won't he won't get any luck on is the Denver Broncos situation. I do believe I do believe there there might be some truth to it, but I don't see how through a lawsuit he can prove that. I I thought that personally was a silly tack on. He, he I, accused John yes. Elway of turning yeah. up as if he'd been drinking all night, but like any any court case will say, well, that's just conjecture. Exactly. Like I don't. I think that was a. For me, he didn't really need to throw that in. I'd say that was kind of more the liars were like, and oh, they, we need more to put yeah. into this case. Let's put this in as like, whatever about it may have been true. He may have been again interviewed for the job just to satisfy the Rooney Rule. But Denver Broncos had employed a black head coach previous to the to that and you know this case was turned in I just can't see how he has well, any I, evidence I, 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 don't, I don't think the allegation really is that teams aren't hiring black head coaches I think the issue is when a black head coach or a black candidate or an ethnic minority candidate is literally tacked into an interview to fill a space because they have to because they have to fill to. a space because yeah um, so I, I think that's his issue rather than I, I don't think there's any allegation that it's it's the colour of someone's skin stopping them get a head coach job Uh, even though like the NFL's record for that is is pretty poor and it's something I I was kind of I texted you guys about the other day I couldn't remember a black head coach in the NFL who'd gotten a second chance after being fired as a head coach and I, I still can't find anyone um, so the margin for error is pretty maybe maybe Flores looked at those stats and said look I'm not getting back on this mountain no matter what happens so I might as maybe. well take this case yeah 
It's going to be a big one, though. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a one to watch for for sure. Um, I'd say he um, yeah, as you said already, he has definitely tanked his the possibilities of him getting a head coaching job again. Um, win loser, which is a pity because. Now, I, I personally think the way Miami went at it was 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 insane. I, I was actually calling for his him to be fired at the end of their six or seven game losing yeah. run. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt I think that would have been a legitimate firing mm. to fire him after he pulled it out of the fire and turned their really, season around, and to just really miss out on the playoffs by by yeah. a couple of games. I would argue there now that I believe that there was a massive relationship breakdown between the head coach and the owner there, mm. and uh, I'd say his his uh, his obituary had been written. Whatever happened this season, um, I do, I think he was not playing ball or playing the kind of ball that that head coach that the the owner wanted, and I think um. Maybe, yeah, he could have been sacked earlier, 100% based on the, performances. But there's another factor too in that I you have to take what happened on the yacht where he was invited with the owner and that NFL quarterback who may or may not have been Tom Brady was waiting. <laughs> that must happen all the time. Oh, I'd imagine so. I, 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 they, they, they were so heavily linked. I think this is not this is common knowledge as well, but they were so heavily linked with uh, Deshaun Watson as well for a long time. And I have no doubt that Flores would, would have been taught because I think he's a man of morals. I would imagine that he was totally against that as well. And that probably would have annoyed the owners further as well. Um, so look, we'll, we will, we'll, uh, we'll watch that one closely. I'm sure that it'll probably get snowed over or covered over with a uh, Super Bowl coverage now in the next couple of days, but I'm sure it, one day come back the, up again. Um, it will, it'll, it'll yeah. definitely come back. Um, once we get the, the Super Bowl over and done with, but uh, yeah, it's one to watch. And I suppose with Flores then as well, Flores is kind of struggles or his, 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 his case against the NFL. There, there have been a couple of new coaches, um, John and a former, former old flame of yours is back in a head coaching position. <laughs> Doug Peterson. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm still a big fan of Doug Peterson. I, and I was disappointed when he got fired by the Eagles because that very last season that he was with the Eagles, he was saddled with Carson Wentz playing the worst football that a quarterback has played over a full season in a long time. And it's, it's a shame that that's kind of what, what finished it for him in the Eagles because he was there for a five-year period. And his first year, nobody really expects you to win. And he had a rookie quarterback coming in there Carson Wentz again, um, who was picked high in the draft. And I think he got maybe five, six wins on that first season. In his second season, he won the Super Bowl. Um, and in the following two seasons, he made the playoffs both times. And he just had a disaster season at the end, and they, they parted ways with him. If you offered any team in the NFL, even the teams that are perennial playoff contenders, if you order, offered them a five-year stretch where they'd win one Super Bowl and make the playoffs at least three times, and make the playoffs three times, uh, they'd take your hand off for it. Because even the Chiefs have been there, they had a chance to make it three years in a row now, but uh, like they're not guaranteed to come back to the Super Bowl. They're not guaranteed if they start the season again like they did this season, they're not guaranteed to make the playoffs. So to get in a head coach there who's won a Super Bowl and got to the playoffs three years out of four, I, I'm going to write off that first year, three years out of four with a good roster is an absolute marvelous um, coup for, for the Jaguars. And if they can get in good staff around them, and I wouldn't put much attention on what he does in his first year, uh, and then put the hammer down again on his second year because he's good at getting great performances from young QBs. Uh, he's a great play caller. He's called one of the most famous plays in Super Bowl history. Uh, he's designed some great plays as well. And yep. people seem to like him. So yeah. I, I think he's an absolute fantastic hire down there. Think, think for the situation as well, for, for Trevor Lawrence, who I think this is a huge season for him now. Like he's getting Peterson, who's an offensive coach, who's an ex NFL quarterback as well. So, like, talk about relatability there. Surely to God, he can bring something, something more than Urban Meyer did to him as a head coach. So, it's an interesting experiment. I think there was a lot of debate around how long 
it took the Jaguars to actually hire him. They interviewed him, I think, something like three or four weeks after Urban Meyer was fired and didn't give him the job until their last week. I think Byron Leftwich was their, their guy, the guy that they really, really wanted. And then he kind of kind of backed out, I think. Mm. And, and then they went with Peterson. So I don't think he's their, he was their number one. But jeez, he's not a bad, he's not a bad number two to get in fairness. It, it's a nuclear disaster for the Jags if he doesn't work out. Like it's yeah. you're 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 into a, a Browns like cycle of misery and despair if, if it doesn't. And you, you worry like if he doesn't click with with Lawrence, you're you're into major issues there. Like just coming from a team that that had that with Darnold, where you've got changes after the first season. The rookie doesn't have a chance to bet in. Uh, a few issues at the start of year two, everyone starts to panic again. You turn to conservative play calling. Um, so look, at, I think there's a lot in the air with that. I think they need a very, very strong draft and a good, a good uh, free agency because they, they just need to load up on talent. He, he's very little to work with there. If, yeah. if, the, if the Jaguars kill Trevor Lawrence, guys, it's going to be a sad, sad day. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, there was no, there was no fear from getting killed last year. He was sitting in an armchair ignoring the ball there for for about sixteen <laughs> matches until he but woke like, up in the last match. He is he is, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, probably the best, the most talented quarterback to come out of college in the last ten years. And well, he's definitely he the most hyped. Yeah, he's definitely the most hyped. But like, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have a decent NFL career, it's going to be an awful, awful shame. He could be buried in, in poor Jacksonville there in the next two or three years if if they don't get the head coaching position right. Could become a forgotten, he could, uh, a nearly man, a forgotten man. He could be a new, he could Very be the next Ryan Leaf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're going to need a big draft and a big free agency because there's been a lot of pressure on what they're doing with Trent Balke, their their GM. Uh, I think that's what ultimately swayed other head coaching prospects not to, to join. So other head coaching prospects were like, yeah, we want to work with you. We want to work with Trevor. We want to work with Shad Khan. We just don't want to work with Trent Balke because he doesn't have a great reputation um, for what he's done in the past or what he's done with the Jags. Uh, so any head coach that wanted to come in didn't want to be tied to him. Uh, yeah. And I, I think Doug Peterson... It, he's worked with Howie Roseman in Philly. He's going to work with anybody. <laughs> um, so he, he he got the job based on that. Now he has a mat, he's a class CV. So I, it's not solely based on that, but they were looking for someone that will work with Trent Balky. And I think if Trent Balky doesn't knock it out of the park in free agency and in the draft, uh, there's going to have to be a massive tear down there again. Yeah. yeah. I think someone, someone said it there, uh, on this podcast earlier on the year um, that the Jacksonville Jaguars are like two years behind where the Bengals were. I uh, can't remember which one of us said it, but I think it's not, it's not a million miles off. Um, and look what the Bengals, like obviously it's, it's a, it's a big ask for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be in a Super Bowl in two years time, but uh, it just shows you what can be done with doing the right things. I think the first thing that they have is a, a very good quarterback. If college is anything to go on, he didn't really have much of a chance this year. Um, similar to what the Bengals had, they had very little other than a quarterback um, two years ago. And last year, um, or sorry, last year, um, and just unlucky with the injury, but look what's after, look what's after happening. They're in the Super Bowl, albeit unexpectedly, but still, um, I think Jacksonville, have a, have have the tools, the early tools, we'll say, and they could potentially with some good GM work, and that's why I think you're right, John, that uh, it's important that he does something good in the next year or two, or his days are numbered, obviously. But uh, I I really like Doug Peterson. I thought um I thought Peterson was a, a good hire. I couldn't understand when the Eagles got rid of him. I didn't understand it, and. Uh, also didn't really understand how he stayed out of a job for so long, but uh, maybe maybe it was a personal thing. I don't know. I didn't look into it much, but uh, it's uh, he's definitely a coach I would rate highly. If you can win a Super Bowl with the Eagles, John, it's sure he can do anything. He's, he's the only man to ever do it, Bill. <laughs> yeah, don't you forget it. They have a statue of him outside the stadium, don't they? <laughs> they the do. man Nick Foles, calling Philly, Philly. Yeah. <laughs> And the two of them are as good as, gone. It's nearly, yeah, it's nearly as good as the as the Ronaldo one is it in Medina or whatever he's from. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Doug Peterson. Um, who else have we? Um, Ken Miami, does, Miami have a new head coach. All the, the coaching carousel in Miami continues. Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, yes. has just been named as the head coach there. So, um, Bit of surprise. Yeah, he was kind of being hyped in the last couple of weeks, I suppose, because of um, what the 49ers had done postseason. Um, and and yeah. it, it, it tends to be the trend in, in, in the NFL, these guys, these coordinators that can, you know, you see him with Robert Sala last year, or the year, and I suppose off the body of kind of two years work, getting to getting to, mm. to the Super Bowl that year as well, he got the Jets head coaching job. So it's not uncommon that, you know, they get in the spotlight, their team gets on a run, they're playing pretty well, and then there's obviously always head coaching positions available in the NFL because there seems to be a lot of hiring and firing going on this it, time of the year. It seems to be the exact same structure then with, with Brian Dabble then uh, over yeah. the Giants. Yeah, he's, he's gone over from the Bills as the, the Bills, Bills yeah. offensive coordinator. Yeah. Isn't the gaslights that, like, I suppose, as a as a as a, an assistant or a or a offensive or defensive coordinator, your career your career um, progression is possibly can sometimes be held back by your team doing well. For for example, I'd imagine there's a couple of the backroom team of the Rams that could possibly have got a, a job this season. There's so many jobs available. Which I suppose they can't really. They're not. Isn't, I don't think they're they're allowed. Are they allowed interview while they're, they're still in? Their OC yeah, yeah. is is after getting the head coaching job. Kevin O'Connell is after getting the head coaching oh. job in uh, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, they, they, they definitely are allowed interview anyway. Yeah, he's yeah. Only, yeah. There's, there's a round that they're allowed to do during the the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Oh. The other the other one then talking about coordinators getting um. A coaching jobs. I think Eric Bieniemy is pretty much nailed on for the Saints job as well. He's the offensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes at Kansas City. Yeah, it's it's great to see him get it. Uh, I think mm. he seems to be a very popular character in the NFL, and uh, I think he'd probably felt a bit hard done by. I know he was kind of touted, uh, kind of linked with the Jets job last year, and obviously they went in the direction of of uh, of Salah. But I think Bieniemy has has a lot of um, a lot of supporters around the league, and mm. I think he could do a pretty good job there. They, they talk a lot about these coaching trees, like it's mad. Like you have Andy Reid, the enemy is Andy Reid's coaching tree. Brian Dayball is actually Bill Belichick's coach. Belichick, tree. yeah. Do you know, so like they all seem to kind of learn off these legendary head coaches. And they, like you have this, this Mike McDaniel guy is obviously Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay kind of school of school of offense. So now the Shanahan tree has only succeeded once, though. <laughs> Yeah. I think pe- 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 people love kind of the almost the hipsterism around the the Shanahan tree, but there's only it's only brought one Super Bowl home so far. But to think of like when you think of young head coaches, these young offensive head coaches that are in such demand, you, you think of uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan as just being these young innovators, uh, and to think that there's like Matt Lafleur is off that tree, and now you have Kevin O'Connell and the Miami head coach also off that tree. Like these lads are still young themselves. And all of a sudden mm. they have three coordinators that are around the league. Uh, Matt LaFleur is absolutely nailing it as a head coach, his offensive coordinator, you bring it up to six head coaches around the league. Um, Nathaniel Hackett is after getting the job around Denver. So I'm such a, a young coach and tree to think that off the top of my head, and I don't follow coaching trees at all. I can think of six head coaches around the league that are after spurting from this young Nucleus of head coaches. Yeah, like you have Andy Andy Reid's one. You have Ron Rivera and John Harbaugh are Andy Reid's coaching tree as well. Um, Doug Peterson too, actually. So yeah, I was there yeah. in Philly with him. Doug Peter was with him as well in Philadelphia. So like it it, it does seem to be a, a kind of trend. But like with the younger offensive coaches, like that just seems to be the way it's the way the league is going now. Like the, the league follows trends and. It's now a young OC who can call plays and do all the fancy stuff. Like you even see Lincoln Riley in the in the college game. He's been taught with the NFL multiple times. He's now gone to um he's got the USC job from Oklahoma. And he's a guy that has been massively tipped as well to come to the league. Like so um he would have had Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield in college. So do you think there's any kind of quarterbacks or offenses that will kind of suffer for losing these guys? Yeah, it like, depends on how active these lads were in in the role as offensive coordinator. Sure, yeah. Like yeah. Sean McVay is the offensive guy in LA. So you're wondering 
what Kevin O'Connell's role as a play caller is. He, he doesn't call plays on match days anyway because uh, McVeigh does that. Same with Kyle yeah. Shanahan in San Fran with McDaniel. Yeah. Kyle yeah, Shanahan. Yeah. Kyle yeah. Shanahan is the offensive guru in San Fran. Yeah. So, what is McDaniel? Yeah. Why yeah. is he yeah. getting well, a, well, a well, by the same logic? By the same logic there. So, Lafleur's brother, the, who became the Jets' offensive coordinator, like I know they've massive injuries this year, but they played some lovely offense when when they actually had guys on the field. They put up some real. Play. He really seems to know what he's doing, and he literally fell straight from that tree as well off Shanahan. But he's and, and, a guy. He's a guy who's doing the offensive play calling. Like he's in his job. He's the offensive guy in New York. My my, my thing was he wasn't in San Fran. And I know to a very limited extent. So when he stepped over, even though all that was being done in San Fran, he just seems to have absorbed everything. Like I'm really excited to see what he does next year. Coming back to your original question though, um, Ken, like Mike McDaniels going to Miami, I don't think is going to, I think if anything, it could be even, uh, positive thing for San Fran and just because I'm not saying Mike Quintana is a bad coach or anything like that I'm just saying he struggled to get Trey Lance into any bit of a meaningful scheme uh, this year and yeah you can say Trey Lance isn't ready but like he just was like okay Jimmy's not able to go there's what we normally do with Jimmy so just do that whereas they might need someone to cater to Trey Lance's skills a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> whatever he did this year when Trey Lance was in didn't work. They were a totally different football team when he was playing than when Jimmy G was playing. So the, the other, the other one, the one that interests me more is is Bienemy and uh, Eric Bienemy and Brian Dable because <laughs> they have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen at their disposal. So like, it's very easy to be look good as a coordinator when you have. Generational yeah. talent at quarterback, like do you know what I mean? So, like, how yeah. do they get on as head coaches? To, to, to in, be fair, though, Saints, like who's who's uh, throwing the ball for the Saints next year? Bienemy can be as good as he wants, but you could have some donkey free agent throwing the ball. Right? I think so, there's, I think they're two very different players, though. Like Mahomes has looked generational since he launched his first pass in the NFL. Well, he sat I, for a year as well, like no, no, but sorry, th- yeah, when he got in, he yeah. literally came in and launched yeah. his his first pass in the NFL. He's looked generational. I, I think Josh Allen has been molded by the Bills, and they've literally time, yeah. designed and they've they've developed him. I, I think there's two very very different ones because I think Allen, in a different circumstance, might be a bit hard to NFL player, who makes bad decisions mm-hmm. and didn't succeed. I can't remember but, who it was, but when Josh Allen was. Um... Drafted, there was a high profile corner, it could be Josh Norman, or that basically said, Bill's made a massive mistake here. This lad's a fraud, kind of just called him out straight out. I uh, can't wait to pick him off during the season or whatever. Do you know, just just calling him out online, but it was a high profile cornerback. I can't, re- I can't remember who, but uh, like Josh Allen was a hit or miss kind of prospect coming out of college he was, was extremely uh, raw like and you can still yeah. actually see that in his game it's only this season he's really and that's probably like you said Ken that's probably credit to Dayball and the offense that they've kind of ran him in and, yeah I, I, I think you know. he's an absolute steal for the Giants Um, I think he's the guy I, I think I'd have been happiest with I know I mentioned the enemy earlier but if it didn't go the direction of Salah Dayball is the guy I'd have loved to have seen come in as, as, as coach and I think the Giants need someone like him and it's nice to touch, kind of touch back to a couple of weeks ago where I was flogging the Giants online here saying that they had to fire their coach. Uh, and I, I think a lot of Giants fans got on the same thing. And I, I think he was kind of retrospectively fired based on a bit of backlash. Uh, so I, I think they've hit they've hit the reset button. And I think they've picked the best possible guy here. If, if, he, if, if anyone can get uh, their quarterback firing, it's, it's him. Just make sure if you're texting him congratulations that you uh, text the right guy. <laughs> I think um, I think I think there's more of a more of an issue in New York with the with the G than obviously Dave Gettleman outgoing his GM. Apparently organizationally the Giants are stuck in 1920, um, by all accounts. So like I think they need a lot more than just the coaching side of things. I think a whole organization, I know they're a kind of family-owned traditional organization as well. So I think the head or the GM job there could be a bit more of a challenge. Uh, or a bit more one to keep an eye on as opposed to the head coaching job. But it'll be interesting to see how Dable goes and how it unfolds. In fairness to them, they're after going about this the right way. Whether they hit with their GM and head coach or not, they're after bringing a, a head coach and GM who worked together in Buffalo 
Mm. And yeah. they're going to try and get these lads going off the same foot together from day one. Yeah, there's uh, no, in New York there's no as disagreement, well. sir. Yeah. Before we move off this subject, uh, do you know what really struck me as well uh, on the subject of coaching changes and not so much hirings? The uh, I can't remember his name again. The Raiders, um, <clears throat> the Raiders guy who stood in the interim coach. What was his name? Rich Basaccia. Basaccia. There we go. Um, it was telling how many of the Raiders players came out online and were like, over the course of my time, you have been like a father to me. Like the words were just so strong and intense and like almost over the top, how much love they have for that man. So if he lands somewhere, has he landed somewhere? I'm kind of, no, he was good. He was, I saw he was interviewing in different places, but anyway, um, he seems like just a really good man manager, which is kind of half the battle in a head coaching position. Um, there were a couple of uh, kind of uh, screen or kind of you know those mic'd up things um, the Raiders were playing yeah. I was like all the players like the players were all like just all really like the, there was seemed to be a real culture shift there like they're all saying you're doing a really good job and like one of the lads actually came up to him Pisaccia and says coach you're doing a really good job and he's like thank you I appreciate you this kind of stuff like, <laughs> but it's it's, a, it's, it's very it's common in the, in the NFL though yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like before we go, I want to mention this one. I thought it was an utterly bizarre one. I'm not sure that you read up much about it, but uh, Jim Harbaugh, did you see the, the carry on yeah. with the Vikings? Very they, embarrassing. They, uh, they interviewed him for like nine hours and then we're kind of like, we don't want you. Yeah. And like he, went back to Michigan and was like, I'm coming back. <laughs> he literally borderline said his good, goodbyes, missed yeah. one of the most important recruitment days in the college calendar because he thought he was out of there told players that I'm not going to be here so you know if you want to join grand but it's not going to be here or I'm not going to be here and then comes crawling back and goes yeah I'm Michigan for life <laughs> literally like because he didn't get the job in uh, Minnesota extremely embarrassing and I think he kind of walked in there like he had the job they're like oh hold on here now you don't have anything just yet I don't know if you know. Do you know the Amazon All Access kind of programs? They did one on the, the Cowboys and there was one on the All Blacks. They've done a number of teams. I think the Cardinals. Yeah. Michigan football was on that. All or nothing, that one. Yeah, all or nothing, yeah. About five or six years ago now, I'd say, when Harbaugh first got that job, his kind of mandate was to rebuild Michigan as a power in the in, in college football because it kind of slipped. And I don't know, like it, seemed, it actually seemed like I was watching it. I was like, this can't be real. Like he's so... I don't know. He he seems so fake. Like, mm. you know, like obviously we we look at the American coaches with a bit of um, a bit of a, a, shadow, a kind of strange view in terms of how kind of almost like film like it, it seems like. But th- he just struck me as almost borderline delusional. Like, obviously he's a very good record in terms of international international football. He can coach mm. there for a long time, but he's striking me as a guy that's absolutely stuck in the past. And I'd yeah. say. The Vikings were just like, no, this is not what we need now for. They just got rid of Zimmer. I, I think they've they've enough of the, of, of the, yeah. the old school, the old guys, thought, yeah. uh, the old school of thought. But yeah, I just thought, thought I'd mention it. I thought it was just embarrassing. I suppose uh, it was a, he kind of came came uh, groveling back to to uh, Michigan. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's the coach the coaching uh, roundup. This, it's, it's, it's it's an interest. Um, yeah, it's an interesting um, time of year. I suppose it will take a back seat, as I said earlier on. Because of um, the upcoming Super Bowl, but it's it's definitely going to be there's still more more um, t- business to take place there. So that brings us on to the, the the big one, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty Four. Is it? <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> who, who, can, uh, who can read Roman numerals? Yeah, yeah. I actually strike like what was, was was one year the suit the, the Roman numerals were so long like I actually it was like there's too much going on here that it's need to L- L- LVI it's 61 it's um it's a big one it's um I suppose one that we would not have predicted um I am um, I'm I'm kind of finding it hard to like even even though I know we're going to talk about it in detail, but I'm finding it hard to see Cincinnati winning this. And I feel like I've said this many weeks. I think I tipped them to 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 win a couple of playoff games. All right, but I don't think in anyone's wildest dreams we we would have um, predicted the Cincinnati Bengals were going to be in the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams. But here we are. Um, 
I, I suppose a huge thing for me and for everyone and looking at it from the outside is, is Joe Burrow going to be able to be actually operational in this game? Is he, or is he just going to get smashed to pieces? That's a huge one for me. Anyway. I think both of those can be true. Yeah, they, they were they were true before. He got sacked nine times and won the game. Thanks, <laughs> won the game. Yeah, playoff game. Like yeah. no matter what happens, the Rams are going to put up a big lead and the Rams are going to collapse. I, I think like <laughs> take all of your money and put it on that fact now. Um, but whether that collapse is enough to lose the match or not, it waits mm. to be seen. But the the Rams just have that in their blueprint for the entire season. It's interesting that you say that, Ken. Like. And the, the the literally the the mole for the Bengals is go behind and come back and win in the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> that's a nice little subplot to what we go on. Like I just think yeah. it's it's uh, like like you said there, Pierre. Is it a step too far for the Bengals? I just think the stars are aligning for the Rams. Like they've gone all in on all their literally thrown away all their draft picks, got all the superstars. They've won in their home field against. San Francisco and now go into their own field again to play Super Bowl. I just think if if they don't win this, I think it's full collapse for <laughs> for the franchise. Like I think they'd be absolutely distraught. So I, I the run that Cincinnati put together has been phenomenal. Going from a team who two years ago only won two games it just shows you, like Bill was talking about earlier, how quickly things can change in the NFL. But I do think it's just a step too far. And a lot of that, I think, hinders on the contrast in uh, experience in the bigger games from your head coach and quarterback combination there. Like Sean McVay has been in a Super Bowl before and 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 learned learned a hard lesson by losing. All right, Stafford probably doesn't have a massive amount of postseason experience, but is a very, very experienced quarterback. And then you have a very young, two very young both head coach and qu- quarterback for the Bengals, who have kind of been riding wave over the last few weeks. So, yeah. um, I just think it's a step too far for the Bengals, but it, it's it's gonna like, it's gonna be a cracking cracking game. An, an interesting, Bengals, uh, sorry, sorry Ken, Peter, go on. An interesting stat I, I I read during the week and um was that like I all I, I, I googled it. I, I think I mentioned it last week as well. Like, what were the odds that the Cincinnati Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals would get to the Super Bowl? And uh, I suppose. They were a hundred to one. Uh, looked it up to, to to win the Super Bowl, and um, it, what was linked to it was that uh, Mike Brown, I think, is the owner, that he uh, authorized one hundred and twenty-four million dollars uh, for veteran conference uh, contracts last season, uh, including forty million guaranteed. So they picked up guys like uh, Trey Hendrickson and Mike Hilton and these these, these guys. But uh, the funny thing about it was that he has authorized. Um, 78 million guaranteed in the last two free free agents uh, free agency periods which was um 45 million more than the last five combined so he spent more in the last two seasons sorry he spent almost double in the last two seasons than he did in the previous five so well, obviously that, that is, strikes that strikes me as a guy did you see him lift the lift the NFC championship like he's fairly old and has owned that team forever yeah. So I'd say he's just like right. If I actually want to win a Super Bowl before I, but I before I'm kick in the, the ground bucket. here, before he kicks the bucket, like he may as well splash his cash. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting one. Sorry, Ken, go on. Yeah, I, I was just thinking there. Like, I I do feel the Bengals are kind of inexplicably in the Super Bowl. Like the the Rams strike me as a much more complete, compete every year type of team, whereas. The Bengals, this, like, a lot of people are kind of talking to them as if they're the new powerhouse that's arrived in the NFL. There's been a kick and a flick of a ball in, in all of their matches for the last kind of four weeks, and they have shown great fortitude to get through it. Um, I, I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs blew their own foot off with a shotgun. <laughs> I, I still have no idea how they lost that. I, I have absolutely no idea what happened to them. And I, there's great, great kind of fortitude in Bengals to turn that match over but the Chiefs should have stomped on their throat and made the chance and they should be here playing in the Super Bowl I I think they're, they're still kicking themselves so yeah. I, I do think that, I think the Rams are just 
there's just so much elite talent throughout the team. And I, I'm a massive, massive fan of Matt Stafford. Uh, I'd love to see him in a Super Bowl. I think Cooper Cup has been, it, it's the greatest ever season for a wide receiver. There's, there's no one near him in terms of playing all the matches here. I think Odell Beckham has been fantastic since he came in. Akers has just risen from the dead at the right moment to, to give them just an extra bit of strength. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd agree there. I think the stars are aligning for them. Uh, a great story with the Bengals, but I, I, I think it might be a year too early or two for them. Yeah, step too far, maybe. I think a huge one for the Bengals is the health of their, their, their tight end as well, uh, CJ Uzama, like he's kind of questionable going in. I don't know, has he been fully ruled out yet? Um, because he's of the been knee a terrific injury. weapon this year. Yeah, like the knee injury he suffered against Kansas City. I know he was he was on crutches there after the game. I, I think they're I'm, look, they I'm looking at a headline from four hours ago, um, and it says Bengals tight end CJ's Uzama on Super Bowl. I'm not missing the biggest. Uh, I haven't clicked into it. Yeah, the biggest game of my life. So See, like, I, I wouldn't put it past him talking out like you know dressing up and going at it but you know how right is he going to be like you would want to be in the full of your health going into the Super Bowl and it doesn't seem like he is going to be and he's a huge part of their offense so I think mm-hmm. if he's not on the field um, they could struggle on offense and like you've, you've everyone has said here the Rams are going to put up a big score so it's going to be a bit of a hopefully a bit of a shootout I think um I'm firstly going to caveat everything I'm about to say with I haven't picked a winner in about 10 weeks. <laughs> so take this with a pinch of salt. But uh, before the Chiefs game, we identified that, number one, the Bengals conceded nine sacks to the t- Titans the week before. Number two, the Chiefs don't have the same or D-line that the <clears throat> Titans do. Uh, so... That kind of they still let up a few like a lot of pressures and stuff, but still did okay against the a bad D line of the Chiefs. Um, they are not facing a bad D line in the Super Bowl. They are facing the meanest D line probably in the game uh, for the last as long as I can remember. It's definitely not a more hyped D line. It's not even just hype. They're backing it up. Um, I'm looking at Paddy Power for the last few days, uh, not constantly, <laughs> but I'm looking <laughs> at it. Uh, I think one of the a very good value bet is Aaron Donald to be MVP, and it's thirteen to one. Um, I think he can get home several times um, in this game. Um, they'll and if he like, I I, just, I cannot see uh, the Bengals path to victory. I think. It's going to be like the Titans game all over again, only this time they're not going to have Ryan Tannehill on the other side of the ball. They're going to have a proper QB with proper receivers, proper running backs, uh, proper offense, and they're just not going to be... I can't see them living with them. Um, I think the the Rams are a very, very good team uh, when they get it going. Yeah, they have their downwards spirals, but uh, I just don't see how the... The offense, the offensive line of the Bengals keeps Burrow standing enough against this D line uh, when they couldn't keep him keep keep them out against ten, uh, Tennessee. So I'm definitely siding with the Rams on this one. Uh, but I've been wrong before several yeah. times. Bill, uh, I'm going to go against John. One thing, uh, I think whoever wins this game, I think their quarterback is going to get the MVP. And now that's not saying anything special. But the way these two teams are built and are set up, they have absolute fantastic talent, both of them, out wide, in the running back room, at quarterback. Their O-lines aren't great, and the D-lines are good. The D-lines for the other two teams are good. Jalen Ramsey aside, the linebackers' safeties and cornerbacks for the Rams are there to be picked on, and the linebackers' cornerbacks and safeties for the Bengals are there to be picked on as well. Jalen Ramsey is going to occupy one of those fantastic wide receivers that the Bengal ha- Bengals have. So from Tyler Bo- Tyler Bide, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. And if CJ Uzama plays, he's a weapon at receiver. Jalen Ramsey is going to occupy one of those four. If he can get the ball out quickly, Joe Burrow, to any of the other of those four, 
away from Jalen Ramsey. There's DBs there to be picked on. There's mismatches to be made against linebackers. Uh, and I think that's going to take away the MVP possibility for uh, the likes of Aaron Donald or Trey Hendrickson, even on the other side. What, and I John, think that, wasn't it, uh, was it, was it a good few years ago? I think that, let's say one of the last Super Bowl defensive MVPs I remember was Von Miller, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Why did Von Miller win it? Because he had one of the worst two quarterbacks in the league on his team, Peyton Benning and uh, God, your man got a lot of money. What was his name? Oh, Brock Osweiler. Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. Osweiler. Yeah, Osweiler. like I, I suppose I, I, I was going to agree with Kevin, but you're after making a very good point there about the two. Like, the, they're, they're too good. The quarterbacks are too good to not be with. Like, one of them was going to win it rather than a defensive player win it. I think. Yeah. Like that O line is there to be taken. The Bengals O line is there to be beaten. But if Joe Burrow can get the ball out quick and he doesn't have to throw the ball sixty yards, he can throw the ball ten yards and let Jamar take it another fifty, or Tyler. Boyd can take it another 20 or 30 yards. These lads are ep- excellent at getting yards after the catch. So I, I, I think his stats are going to be huge if they manage to pull off a win. And on the other side, I think the very same for uh, the LA Rams. If Matt Stafford can get the ball out quick, his O-line is slightly better than the Bengals. But it's not one of these generational O-lines that you think that O-line is going all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, it, it's there to be beaten. Trey Hendrickson is going to find some gaps in it somewhere. But if Matt Stafford can get the ball out to Cooper Cup, if he can get the ball out to Van Jefferson, if he can get the ball out to Beckham, his tight end picked up a knock the last day, but the backup tight end, um, Blanton, came in, had a fantastic, Did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, so again, he has weapons there. He can just get the ball out to him. And if that pass rush for the Bengals gets through, I don't think it's going to get through as easily as Donald. So he doesn't have to get it out as quickly. He can find Cup downfield. He can pick up Beckham for 10 yards, five yards at a time. Uh, he's going to get one or two chances to launch it to Van Jefferson as well. Uh, and again, he's just going to pick up big numbers and he's going to have a massive box score and it's going to be hard to overlook either of those quarterbacks. I don't I, think I it's think going the, to be... The, I think the only person with a legitimate chance of beating the two of them is, is Cooper Cup. Um, I, I, I think... Are for players Cup. like him to get a, an MVP though, uh, Ken, isn't it? I agree he's, he's an absolute Just with some of the performances he's put up lately though, yeah. like look, look at him again. They base it off though, it's annoying. Like. I, I agree with you, but I, they, just, they never give like, the, the 49ers have uh, a really, really strong defence and he, he torched them for 140 yards and two touchdowns. And he put up insane numbers the week before. Like the catches he makes in midfield... And the yards after the catch, then it's just it carries the team when they're 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 low. He can catch it out wide. He comes through the middle. He he plays in the slot. He he plays outside the numbers. He's just outrageously good. Um, and I think he's the kind of man. It, it's the yards after the catch that could be the winning of the MVP for him. Um, but I I, I think it, it's very hard to go against kind of Stafford winning it. Surely yeah. to God, um, Jalen Ramsey matches up on Jamar Chase, and, and that obviously. But all that happened last weekend was was Higgins put up a hundred yards. Yeah, but like, that's what Ramsey does. He goes in your best receiver and he tries to shut him down. Is is that going to be Jamar Chase? Like, can you see him going going on anyone else, or do, do you think he's going to be following Chase around the field for for the for the night? They haven't been sticking him to one receiver really. Um, Throughout the playoffs, they haven't. Like, they moved them around a lot against the Bucs and they moved them around against uh, the 49ers as well. Um, mm. he, he hasn't been just like, oh, I'm going to take Mike Evans out of the game. Mike Evans actually bet him for a touchdown in that game and he was yeah. looking after him on that play. But Mike Evans was getting yards all over the field when Jalen Ramsey was on the other side. So they haven't really been using him. And it's, it's kind of like... Um, as Ken said, if they just occupy Jalen Ramsey with Chase, they're going to have Chase on his own, and then they're going to have three receivers on the strong side of the field and a tight end. And it's going to be so obvious that they're going to go to that side, but they're going to get mismatches somewhere. They have to get a mismatch. If Jalen Ramsey's on the other side of the field, T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, they're going to get a one-on-one against someone that they're faster than or else someone that they're bigger than. I think like the the run game is interesting as well. Obviously, Mixon and 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 the second string, the guy who brought up into the house there against Casey, 
Pirine, yeah, I can't couldn't remember his name. Like they've they've run the ball pretty well and complimented complimented Joe Burrow's offense. Like and the Rams have kind of obviously they've got um they've got Cam Akers, Cam Akers back in the in the last few weeks, but they've kind of struggled to run the ball a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what the balance there for the Bengals is like. Like I know right, the Rams have a decent front seven, but like if they could try and mix it up a little bit more, but running the ball down their throat um with mixing, because he's a pretty bruiser when he gets going. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they kind of balance it, because it, it seems to be right. Oh, we've Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford. Like, oh, it's going to be the ball's going to be thrown a lot. But you know, one of them might take a little bit of a different approach. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I don't know. I I suppose the longer you start talking about these things as well, like you kind of say like this isn't this is definitely not a a foregone conclusion. Definitely not. Um, I think it's going to be, even if, as you, as we, we've, I think we've all feel like the, the Rams will start strongly. Like the Bengals, even if the Bengals are down by twenty points at half time. This is this game isn't over. Um, I can see. Ooh, I don't know. I, I I can see it being not as high scoring as people think. I, I I don't know. I just feel like it could start off quite nervy. Um. It, it could eventually turn into a bit of a shootout, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, ma- a massive one. But look, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, what about, like, I'm trying to think now, what else were, were we missing anything? I'm trying, trying to think about, uh, is there any major kind of points we're, 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 we're uh, forgetting about? Uh, I suppose the kickers, the battle of the kickers is a good one as well. Um, Evan McPherson and um, Matt Gay, is it? Advantage Cincinnati. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I think uh, there was there was a. Uh, I'm in this pool um, with a couple of a couple of lads, and you, you get all these random questions about um, the soup. Like let's say whatever round of games it was. So like it used to be just pick the team to win on in the regular season, but now it's like who will have more receiving yards, Odell Beckham or um, uh, Jamar Chase or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. Either or them. One of them was. Who will kick the further furthest field goal? It was uh, Evan McPherson or Matt Gay. Like, Evan it's absolutely was ridiculous like, stuff. You bet. Like, <laughs> yeah, 80 percent or something where we're picking McPherson. So that's uh, just funny. Like he's a uh, he's a uh, like he's absolutely nothing seems to phase him. Like nerves, Super Bowl nerves. I don't care who you are, they're definitely a thing. Um, they've often seen games start off and players get very nervy. And yes, they do warm into the game, but. You know, and it's all in the line. this year hadn't missed a kick for about ten years. And next thing, uh, well, he had a cup. He had a mayor of season there about two years ago, three years oh, ago, he? maybe. But he he he, he brilliant he up good. Oh yeah, yeah, he had been very solid. It just goes but, like the nerve goes. He got rattled, his his yeah. head went. Yeah, he had a couple. He had just a couple of absolute. Crosby had a couple of absolute mayors of games, and he's just gone. I feel like his head is totally gone now, and that's the end of him. But uh, yeah, the kickers, I suppose, is something else. But uh, I don't know. It's just looking forward. I'm just looking forward to it at this stage. Um, yeah, we go around the house on who we think is going to win, or has that kind of been obvious from what we've said so far? <laughs> is anyone going for the Bengals? I think it's fairly unanimous. Yeah, is it? Who's going to go? I'd, love, now I'd now? love to go. I'd love to go for the Bengals just to be different. But I, I, I bet against the Bengals in every match so far, and I'm not going to stop now. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's worked well so far. Yeah, I said, I said every week. Oh, I think this is a step too far, and I said mm. the same things. So I'm just sticking mm. to it. We I, I, really, I really do fancy the Bengals, but the only reason I'm sticking with the Rams is because I picked them from the start to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and yeah. I'm just going to, I'm not going to jump ship. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be a very, very close game. I, I don't think, like we're five to one, five to nil against the Bengals. I don't think it should be five to nil against them. I think they have a great chance of winning this. Yeah. <laughs> With the, so with if you the, don't think it should be five to nil, do you think it could be four one? If you were uh, changing your own, <laughs> uh, John, do you think with the with the growing emergence of the NFL in Ireland and obviously onside kick starting in the in the heart of, in the heart of Tipperary and Turles, do you think your brother Brian will be the only Rams fan in Turles after this weekend? <laughs> I don't think so. No. There may be a few fans jumping on the bandwagon, mate. Uh, just to say, I th- I'm pretty sure Brian was spotted in a Jets jersey. Um, 
it's, yeah. it's unconfirmed, but yes. he may he may have gambled that the, the Rams were lost there a, a week ago and, and, and turned to the Jets, but we, we, we keep a tab on that. He must be in an awful dark place to be doing that. He is. <laughs> whatever, about Rams room fans, whatever about Rams fans, there's surely not that many Bengals fans like who'd longer than six months old. Yeah, I have actual, I have actually cousins uh, that are from Cincinnati, so I have a little Bengals link there. I have, I own a Bengals beanie hat, and that's as close as I know to any. Well, like important. in fairness, like like we all you all fo- obviously come into the NFL and you follow the like Bill. I'm sure th- the reason you follow the Patriots, other than the fact you did a little bit of time over there, is that they were fairly successful there <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. while you were growing up. So you will see it. You will see it as well. Like especially with Joe Burrow and how kind of I suppose famous he's become, and yeah, you know, all over the internet, you're going to see new fans coming to the game. They're going to start picking these teams that are winning. The likes of the Rams, the Bengals, you know, teams that I suppose maybe weren't the, your traditional he, teams to your traditional teams to 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 support. Like you know, so he's exactly um, the kind the, the kind of guy you want as the face of your franchise. Though he oh absolutely, and I say the amount of the different the amount of different T-shirts I've seen made of him walking into the stadium with his Nike chain on and his yeah his cool glasses is ridiculous. Like so yeah, he's money. He's money are all over it. All, all of them are. Printing T-shirts and making money off it—it's crazy. And hey, even at the end of this, now they might actually get an indoor practice facility. Maybe Did you <laughs> yeah. see that they had, they had to go and practice at like the University of Cincinnati campus because they don't have an indoor stadium. Yeah, they're the only and team in the NFL. Pelting down snow in Cincinnati at the moment. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Hold on, we we have a little violin segment for them here. Yeah, <laughs> they have the world's smallest violin there. So, in, instead of yeah. maybe, um, who's going to win? Margin of victory. So. Okay. Field goal. Field goal. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two score games, so two touchdown win for the Rams. Kick. I was yeah. gonna go kick a kick, kick it a ball as well. I go just to be different from John. I go two points for for the Rams. The Rams. Yeah, I, I I want to say more than Kev, but I'd say around what Kev is saying. I think I, I think it'll be wide, and then it'll get narrower. But I think the Rams will have enough. Um, I I can't like I said I just can't see the the Bengals keeping Joe Burrow up enough to to trouble, and I think uh, I think the the Rams O line is a lot better. Uh, not 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 a, a million miles better, but just they'll be able to they'll have more success keeping uh, keeping the Bengals out. So yeah, I'd say a wide enough margin a wide enough margin with regards to the game, and then maybe garbage time it might become a little uh, closer. So about um, ten to twelve. I'd say I'd say seven points. I can see uh the, the Bengals running close late on, trying to get the equalizer and falling short. You so, know what? Uh, seven points. Cha- I gotta change my pick and the Bengals are gonna win Super Bowl. Come on, Peter. Boom. They're gonna win it. Go on. Okay. Over to you, Joe Burrow. I'm all in. Yeah. Okay, let's win it. And one last question now before we, we leave it here. <laughs> Favourite Super Bowl moment of all time? Kevin Dunn, I know where you're going. <clears throat> Will I go first? Go first, Kevin. In, 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 in the last couple of weeks where my one of, uh, one of the, the men that got me interested in American football, Ben Raffensperger has retired. My favourite Super Bowl moment is him throwing the touchdown to Santonio Holmes in the end zone in 2008. Back when... Uh, Back when uh, Ireland was Ireland was absolutely on on top and it was the the boom was at its height, um and Pittsburgh Steelers won that game, followed closely by James Harrison actually running the ball a hundred yards for a touchdown in that game. But, if there's uh, five yeah. of us here, will you stop using up the Super Bowl moments? <laughs> <laughs> so, Christ Almighty, I'll be on the internet here for the next couple of minutes. <laughs> Winning touchdown in the, in the dying seconds of the game, uh, Steelers versus Arizona, two thousand and eight. My first Super Bowl memory and my favourite. Bill has a, a war chest of Super Bowl memories that he can choose from there because uh, his favourite team, the Patriots, have only won about 7,000 of them in the last 10 years. I sure do. And it might sound familiar to you. Well, that was a very pregnant pause there, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> did, did we get the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
uh, I was going to try and get the sound bite up, but uh, that my right, technology it, skills it, ha- it happens to the best of us. It's like there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of us watching. A lot of pressure. Oh my goodness! Well, uh, you'll hear it in our sound. In our sound, uh, I suppose in, intro music. Uh, Malcolm Butler intercepting Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman pulling the most gifable face of all time. And Tom Brady screaming like a girl. Yes, correct. That has to be. <laughs> that has to be my number one. I suppose the the comeback uh, against Atlanta comes a close second, but it's just uh, the the Super Bowl with Malcolm that, Butler. Yeah, as an individual moment, that was incredible. Like. It was just wow, uh, just a big wow moment. As as my team haven't been anywhere near the Super Bowl since <laughs> I think my grandfather was conceived, probably. <laughs> um, my my earliest memories actually just uh, across across the across in the other changing rooms in the in the MetLife uh, with the Giants, David Tyreek's catch on his helmet against the Patriots in I think two thousand and seven. It's probably my earliest Super Bowl memory. Yeah. Um. Thanks for that. Where, Ken. That was the my one as well. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> well, in fairness, you, you you won one, so you you can. Well, I I, I, assume, I, don't I assumed you'd be reminiscing over that. So, uh, where the Giants were were dead and buried, and Manning was tackled about four times and still managed to launch an absolutely horrendous pass down the pitch, and David Tyreek went up and caught it on his helmet, and off the next pass, Plaxico Burris caught the ball for a touchdown. <laughs> And he went out partying afterwards and he shot himself in the ass and, <laughs> and spent two years in jail. Um, so it's a tale as old as time and a, a terrific oh, yeah. NFL memory. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, you absolutely have to, you're for ratting me there now. But I suppose like one that I will always remember, I don't know, was it like a, a massive memory, I suppose, but it was um, the Baltimore Ravens and the 49ers when the lights went out. Um <laughs> So it was a pretty, a pretty bizarre one, and I suppose after the lights went out, that the the Forty Niners they come back and win it. Uh they were well down in the third quarter, but they came back and won it. I'd have that but, as one of my least favorite, just because it meant uh, I had to stay up for an extra fucking forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. Uh, the Ravens actually one. won it, Pete. Are the Ravens? Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a uh, prime Ray Lewis time as well. Back when um, it was. That was his swan song, was it? Yeah, that was his final. Was it his final season? I feel like his, that, only, yeah. his only Super Bowl, anyway. I think. Yeah, I feel like yeah, but um, Colin Kaepernick was quarterback. Kaepernick was quarterback, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to say yeah. a Packers a Packers moment, um, Ken, but I would have been watching all of those on replay. I, I don't. I I wasn't actually following the NFL when the Packers won the Super Bowls. Well, in my in my lifetime, so. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be lying through me tight enough if I if I picked anything else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, you you could have gone for Manningham's catch on the sideline when the Giants bet the Patriots again. Mm-hmm. Another legendary pass down the wing. <laughs> uh, Ken, while while you're on the subject, I'm going to pick another beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl moment. Yay! Uh, Class. Uh, and right. I'm not going to go for the obvious one. The obvious one is the one where there's a statue built outside of Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles really Stadium. In that game, it was just Brady and Foles going up and down the field, getting touchdowns or at the very least a field goal. And the play that changed the game was Brandon Graham coming through and getting a strip sack on Tom Brady. And it it was nearly the only play in the game that didn't result in a score. And it absolutely changed the game for the Eagles. And I remember I, I was listening to the first quarter. I was coming home from the airport listen to the first quarter on a dodgy internet radio link and I was just watching that and I actually leapt up off the couch and I was jumping around the living room when we won the ball back I think that was just one that it, it really cemented my NFL fandom I was like I'm heavily invested here now um, <laughs> no going back so, now so Brandon Graham strip sack of Tom Brady in Beautiful. 2018 yeah hopefully there'll be a few moments. more uh Few more moments now at the weekend. Um, you know, I, I feel there will be. I thought you were going to go all the way back and to the John Emmett days and pull that one of them out. The, I would have bag. <laughs> <laughs> when the NFL uh, was two separate pull, 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 pull the only one out of the bag. Yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. the, the Jets bet in 1967, a heavily favoured Colts team. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and 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 probably at the time called the Baltimore Colts. I'll have you know, mm. they were the Baltimore Colts. Was Johnny United the quarterback by any chance? Was that well before? I can't remember that one now. It slipped my mind. 
Going back He's to the 1960s. What a name for a quarterback, Johnny Unitas. I feel uh, it sounds like it's made up. And just to make our podcast extra relevant, it was a, an absolute balls to the wall play call by Sean Payton the last time the Saints were in a Super Bowl, where at the start of the second half, start of the second half kick or kickoff with nobody expecting it, he kicked an onside kick and they recovered it. And it went on to change the game. Remember that. Outrageous. And that's why we call this podcast onside kicks. (laughs) That's why we call this podcast the Sean Payton Appreciation Podcast. (laughs) We we named it after this moment. We just remembered. The truth is out. Yeah, the truth is out there. Sean Payton, come talk to us. Yeah, yeah, he's he's already getting loads of money now. So isn't it? Kevin James is playing him in a film or something. I saw them doing a. They did some sort of a tweet or a, or a it's on bounty gate, Yeah, bounty. <laughs> he was like, uh, Kevin, I, I thought um, you were going to retire just like I retired from coaching. I thought that was our deal. I said you could play me as long as you retired, so I don't ever have to see you act again. It's <laughs> actually it's actually very funny. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it, Anne. Uh, I think we've we've uh, said it all. Uh, keep an eye out midweek. Now we're going to have a, a short little clip up uh, for the idiots or dummies guide to the Super Bowl. So won't be for a lot of our listeners, but um, it might be something that you could see and show your friends to explain to them why you're staying up until half eleven or starting watching a sport at half eleven at night and staying up till four or five o'clock that night. So you can also might, send might it on. Them. You can also send it on to your employer as to why you didn't show up to work Monday morning. Yes, yes. And also another very, very apt point. And um, if the Bengals win, along with a picture of, of Joey in his, in his coat yeah, with his jewellery. Yeah. <laughs> How can I say no to this? How can you deal, say no to deal this? Deal with it, boss. Yeah. And uh, yeah, enjoy the halftime show as well, actually. Who is it? It's uh, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop, Snoop, Snoop Noggy Noggerson. <laughs> Dr. Dre as well, isn't he? Yeah. He's out making an appearance. Yeah. Should be a good show. So um yeah, enjoy wherever wherever people are watching it. It's 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 a good old uh it's a good old event. And I know people die the sun the, the Monday after, but um it's only once a year, I suppose. So enjoy it because you won't have anything until next August, Let's just say that there won't be a lot of educating done across Ireland tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> or on, on, on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> on Monday the 14th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but sure look, we'll uh we'll uh we'll we'll be we'll touch we'll talk to everyone next week kind of with our Super Bowl review and keep an eye out for that um that Super Bowl for dummies uh video as well. So it'll uh, help explain people what the hell you're talking about, even if they don't want to know about it. show it to them anyway. So <laughs> yeah, so we'll chat you soon. Bye.